from the TWU Air Division offices in Collinsville, Texas. It's the TWU Air Division podcast with local 513 Second Vice President Brian Parker. Join Brian as he discusses issues that affect the careers and lives of Air Division members. Take it away, Brian. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Transport Workers Union Air Division podcast. Joining me again today is Gary Peterson. Gary is a TW International Vice President, and he is also the Air Division Director. Thanks for joining me again today, Gary. Thanks, Brian. Hey, we got a lot to talk about. We're going to try to make this brief. I know you've got something to do. I've got something I've got to go do, but we felt like it was important. There's a lot of things been happening. We haven't had a podcast in a while, so we're going to jump right in. We'll start with kind of an overall Air Division update, you know, with negotiations and such. And then we will move into assaults in the air on flight attendants and flight crews. And then we'll probably end up with vaccinations and, you know, an exemption. So why don't you go ahead and start off and talk about what's recently been ratified in the Air Division? Yeah, so over the last couple of weeks, we ratified agreements with both Envoy Fleet Service, which was a contract we've been working on for a couple of years and got that accomplished. A 90% ratification vote in favor of that contract. And then we also got the first Envoy Simulator Instructor Agreement ratified, and that was in the high 80%. So pretty proud of both of those agreements over at Envoy getting fairly decent amount of money back into people's pockets that they've been waiting for for a fair amount of time. Okay. And uh, I believe uh, Kevin Smith down at NASA down in Florida. Yeah. Kevin's always got his hands full. I mean, he does a lot of the government contracts and a lot of our service contracts. Just over the last couple of weeks, they've gotten an agreement done at the Naval Warfare Center, Fort Lee, Virginia. We also got one there. And then he's done some supplemental agreements with the astronaut program down at NASA. And that's just to name a few. I think each month it's different. Kevin's world is different than the airline world. Those contracts are constantly evolving and changing. So each month he's involved in some sort of pretty intense negotiations on these government contracts. So we're past the recent ratifications. Let's move into uh, what's still open. You know, what contracts are still going on? Yeah. So we got a bunch of first contracts that are taking place. Obviously, we've been involved with JetBlue for a while. Hopefully, we'll we'll reach some sort of tentative agreement with them soon. That's been a, a battle back and forth. The airlines being in the condition they're in, they've, they've done some things around critical coverage that have been pretty sensitive to our, our group. And so we're we're working our way through that contract. Hopefully, we will Get to an agreement soon. I'd, I'd love to say sooner than later, but you never know how those things take place. Each week we, we work internally and externally with our committee to try and figure out a way to get to that contract uh, tentative agreement. We have Spirit that um, we've been in negotiations with for the agents down in Fort Lauderdale for a while. We'll be going back down there next week to do some negotiations with them. Don't know, you know what will come of it, but again, hopefully get that closed out here soon. I would venture to guess it won't be in the next, you know, week, but in the not too distant future. And then we have Coletta, our, our dispatch group up in Michigan that we picked up a little while ago, and we've been working with them on their contract. That's been going pretty well. We're getting into the economic piece and hopeful that that'll come together soon. Okay. And so uh, what else is going on? Those are the first contracts. And then obviously we've been engaged with Southwest on both fleet service and the flight attendant agreement. We're getting ready to go into negotiations with Alaska Frontier. And then uh, in the not-too-distant future, we just met uh, this week. I was down in in Miami working with the Allegiant folks on their second contract that they're going to be working up here in the next six months, six to 12 months. So we're we're starting to prep that. 
negotiations. And then the other one we have open, which has been a thorn in our side, is the Republic Dispatch Agreement. And Republic has just really, really let us down as far as how leadership approached these negotiations. It's It's been a tumultuous battle there, and it's going to, it looks like it's going to continue. So we'll see where we're, we're working with the mediator on that one. That one, I just, I I'd love to say that we're going to get to an agreement, but the membership didn't ratify the previous TA. The company sat on their hands, for lack of better terms, for several weeks before we got it done, and another couple of groups passed them. So obviously, the expectation shifted from our membership, and we certainly respect that. that that's, that's why we do what we do, and this is an evolving industry. So the price of business at Republic keeps going up, and they seem to keep missing that point. So they've decided now they're going to start a school for dispatchers to try and, it looks like, roll people in to replace the people that roll out. Pretty scary from at least my optics for passengers and flight crews when, and this isn't taking anything away from folks that are, are getting their dispatch license. It's just you want those seasoned folks there to help them. And you have this high turnover that we're starting to see. It's kind of scary, and, and so it looks like their fix is, well, we'll just start a school and pump people through, and then we'll have a constant feed of dispatchers coming in the door. But without that experience, it should make a lot of people nervous. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. You definitely need experience. The old saying is, what a difference a year can make, right? Mm-hmm. If back up 12 months, we were sitting at the same table right here having conversations about, you know, where do we go from here? You know, we were in a downtime. There were a lot of these carriers here, you know, coming up for negotiations or in negotiations, things got put on hold. Really, we didn't have any leverage. You know, we're in the middle of the pandemic. So it's good to see that we're kind of on the backside, even though we're still dealing with a lot of ramifications of the pandemic, but at least we have some leverage. The passengers are back in the air. We're back to the table. Again, what a difference a year makes. Well, yeah, and, that, and again, that is the situation we're faced with, again, with the regional carriers is they feed mainline, you know, cargo, the bigger the bigger carriers. That's where, obviously, that's where the money is. So you, you get that experience and, and you, you know, some people stay, but a lot move. And that's, that's what we, certainly in the dispatch world, it's been a significant difference. We've done really well in negotiations, but Republic has fallen so far behind. We also have Air Wisconsin that we just took to mediation. Their proposal to our folks for pay raises over a four-year time frame for the whole duration was a little over 2%. That was their proposal. And, wow. they're, and they're at the bottom of the industry when it comes to dispatchers already. So this is problematic. And again, TW is not going to stand back and just let our dispatchers fall by the wayside and agree to something that's garbage. We're in a pretty intense fight there, and we're going to take that on similar to Republic, where we've, we've been in a pretty heated battle. And I want to emphasize this. They're small groups, but we don't treat them any different than we do the large groups. We give them as much attention as our larger groups because they deserve it. Just, you know, an injustice to one is an injustice to all. And we're really going to need everybody to step up to support them when, when that time comes. Well, and it benefits everybody, you know, even at the large carriers, you negotiate against the industry. You don't negotiate against the carrier. Yep. You know, and if these smaller airlines want to stay in the air and want to stay operating, they're going to have to pay prevailing wages. and They're going to have to offer good benefits. So that's, that's it's just exactly simple right. as that. So we're going to hold their feet to the fire. Okay, let's talk about something else, moving past negotiations, which is vitally important, but let's talk about what's been going on in the air, you know, with these flight crews specifically. Just this year alone, 2021, past your misconduct, you know, it skyrocketed about 2,000% to over about 3,000 something incidents. I mean, it's just insane what's going on. Talk about what the TWU is pushing for, talk about what's happening on the Hill, and talk about what's needed, which is a national no-fly list that covers all carriers. Yeah, the national no-fly list is something we've been pushing for a while, and 
And when I say pushing, you know, that's been an agenda item for us and obviously other unions for a while that represent the flight attendants. It's an absolute necessity. And I want to give an example just to give, you know, color to this picture. The incident on American Airlines a couple weeks ago where a passenger, you know, punched a flight attendant and the flight diverted into Denver. Horrible situation, horrible incident. American goes and, and immediately, you know, takes legal action as well, which I want to talk about that in a minute, which was great. And then they banned the passenger from flying. Well, a couple of days ago, I'm reading the update on, on what happened. And the passenger that was involved was in court. He's from California, Santa Ana, L.A. area. So my question is, how did he get from Denver to Santa Ana or L.A. to get back home? Did he just get on another airline and fly? And, the, and, and after the incident happened on American and they banned him, right? He can't get a ticket on American. But there's nothing stopping him on a Southwest Frontier, Allegiant, any, any other carrier at that airport. And that's, that's why this no-fly no list is critical, because it really all they're doing is, in a lot of these cases, jumping from one airline to the next. No one on that next flight knows what that person individually, they might have heard or seen, you know, a little bit. But again, the gate agent selling the ticket or the agent selling the ticket up front, they, they're not, there's no way for them to know. And I'm not blaming anybody. I'm, I am blaming somebody. I'm blaming the government and the airlines because they could easily stop this. The airlines could get together and stop this if they chose to. And they haven't. And the government can get involved and get with the airlines and they can stop this and put something in place that everybody is connected when it comes to an individual and hold that accountability. Now, think about it. He's coming back to go to court in Denver. He's been ordered back to court for a hearing in this incident back to Denver. Is he going to get on another airline outside of American who banned him and fly back to Denver for his court hearing? And what could happen in that in that time frame? Think about if you're going to court and, and, and you've got some uh, instability. I don't want to try to diagnose somebody here, but some sort of instability that caused you to do this in the first place. And then you're going back to where you could be sentenced and really bad things could happen and you're in a similar environment. No flight attendant, not one should be put in this situation. And, and I do blame the airlines. I blame the government. And in fairness, you know, we're fighting every way we can as far as unions to get this put into place. But attention's diverted into all these other areas. And unfortunately, it's almost a daily incident and it has to stop. Yeah. And, you know, a national no flight list is not a novel, new, you know, innovative idea. There's been national no flight lists for a long time for terrorists. You know, I mean, if, you, if you're tagged, you, you just don't fly on any carrier and they could easily input, uh, you know, these people. Like you say, you may fly on American, but you're not flying on uh, Southwest or anyone else. They would be easily identified if they were just put in the database. And to your point about the airlines could band together, uh, you know, they could do more on Capitol Hill. I know that there's a couple of senators up there pushing for this. I mean, this is a nonpartisan issue. This is a safety and, you know, a health issue for, you know, for flight crews. And honestly, it's not just for the flight attendants. I mean, our passenger service agents. Yeah, yep, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, you know, if you get flagged, you should be flagged for all. I think we both agree on that. You know, you hit on the gate agent part of this, and I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that. I mean, the gate agents get, they get abused daily by a lot of passengers with the frustrations on the ground. Again, looking at a situation, Southwest had a meltdown, Americans had a meltdown, you know, in the recent weeks. And... I don't know how they do it. I mean, I just, you know, I, you see the, the agents just so stressed out. You see the flight attendant stressed out. 
and and in fairness to them, you know, this this is you want to. We always talk about our folks going to work and going home safe. Come in the condition and go home in the condition that you came to work in. The the wear and tear that's taking place right now on the emotional psyche of of the flight attendants and agents just thinking about coming to work. And I talked to a lot of our flight attendants along the way. Not so much on the gate agent side in the fact that we we have spirit, but I do talk to them and the abuses that they take down in Fort Lauderdale are off the charts so much so. I mean, I just haven't spent time with them in in the airport, but I do have a lot of conversations with folks by phone that that about the situations that are taking place down, you know, with the spirit agents and and I don't know how they do it. I mean, honestly, I just, you know, you go into work terrified of what might happen. And I think that the airlines are starting to see that that's why so many issues are happening when it comes to manpower with agents and flight attendants is they're just, they're scared to come to work. Nobody should be in fear of coming to work. It's, it's out of control. It needs to be addressed and it needs to be addressed a lot sooner than later. And, and again, I don't understand the airline CEOs talk about, you know, how they care so much about their employees. Well, put up or shut up, you know, that's that's a simple thing for them to go do and tell everybody what they're going to do collectively. How hard is it to play, you know, telephone or send an email that says, hey, we just banned Joe Smith with whatever, whatever, whatever the details are. And maybe there's some legalities, I don't know, but they're private businesses and you, in private business, you have some rights on your own side. So I just feel it that there should be a lot more done for this in the immediate future. This cannot just keep continuing. And it's one of those things that if people saw people really harshly sentenced and it was made public and it happened as many times as these assaults and some cases assault and battery are happening, maybe then people would think twice, but it doesn't seem like it's, it's catching on yet. I agree. You know, years past, it used to be a lot of verbal assaults, which is uh, certainly not justified either, but now it's moved into physical Uh, This last one, I believe the one on American, uh, you know, suffered a broken nose. We saw in Southwest, you know, a flight attendant had some teeth knocked out. You know, I mean, it's got to stop. Yeah. It's got to stop. And I know that we're not going to stop advocating to try to make that happen. So that's correct. Let's move on to, uh, we'll make this our last topic. Like I say, I know that both of us have a short window, but let's talk about vaccines and accommodations and stuff like that. I know that there's been a shift uh, just within the past 24 hours. Where are we at right now? Well, we're at a 500-page document that I'm trying to work my way through, so that, that'll tell you how, uh, how cumbersome the, the OSHA information is. But just uh, you know, the read-through on it, uh, obviously, and hopefully, for everybody that isn't vaccinated, the deadlines, so to speak, for the government side of it looks to be January 4th now, and I believe that will cover the airlines as well as our government you know, entities that we represent, um, kind of everybody inside of our organization on the air side. What I don't know is, and again, bear with me, it's a lot to read through and it came out yesterday. So, But what everybody's trying to read through and figure out is, is on the accommodations and exemptions and those types of things, what type of testing can be done, who pays, what's, what is or isn't required, how often, when, where, how, that type of stuff. Again, it's, it's, not, um, it's not what a lot of folks want to hear that are on the um, unvaccinated side. There's still a, for lack of a better term, a mandate in play that's taking place. Um, it's just the timing's been delayed, but we are starting to see at least some conditions around how it's going to work. I mean, it may work differently in, again, companies with 100 people or more might have a set of rules. The government, folks that we have might have a different set of rules on what they can or can't do. The airlines certainly, the, the precursor, I guess, to this was there didn't show any real leeway for those that were accommodated to be tested. And I believe, and again, I'm 
not trying to play an attorney here, but part of the United case that is working its way through is United basically said, yeah, we're willing to accommodate these situations, these folks in these situations, but we don't have a mechanism for testing. So they kind of agreed on this testing. So again, I, I think that it's getting closer for us to be able to understand it. But reading through the document, there's there's a long way, at least for me to read through to get, get into that finite um, detail. And we'll post that, get that out to the locals. It's there. It's just a matter of it wasn't uploaded to the government's website where it was readable. You had to download it yesterday. So hopefully today it's where it's readable. We can just do a link instead of everybody trying to download it to their phone or their computer if they want to read that info. But it's a cumbersome document. That's how government obviously works, but it's covering a lot of different industries. So I'd love to say I have all the answers, but to this point, we're still working through it. And as far as it goes, I mean, uh, it looks like, you know, that there's going to be conditions put around employment in, in any company that's over 100 people. And they're going to have, you know, the questions have to be answered on if if they are going to pay or not. I was just reading yesterday again, Tyson, you know, foods, their chicken, Tyson chicken, I guess. Um, they just went with an absolute, you had to be vaccinated as a private company. And and I don't know, the, you know, again, legalities behind that, but that's just the position they've taken. Um, I haven't seen that at any anywhere we have this, you must this or you must that yet, but we certainly don't, I don't want to say that that's not going to happen at any one of the groups we represent. So as we read through, there'll be differences between airline government and the companies. I mean, a um, good example of that is Envoy. So Envoy or any of our regionals are in that 100 plus category. They didn't get categorized under the same one as um, the American and Southwest, even though initially it looked like they were going to be in the same. Now it looks like they're getting separated out. So we'll get more details, get that out to everybody as we get through the document. Well, at the end of the day, for, for airlines, whether for or even companies for that matter, not just specific to airlines, uh, it comes to the bottom dollar for the airline or for the, the, the private company or whatever, whether if it's chicken or airplanes, testing and things like that. They're not going to require that, uh, you know, they're not going to provide the testing because they don't want to spend the money. So you got a mandate, but then again, you know, they wanted everything to fall outside of, you know, their financial obligation. I'm reading through that document. It does look like there's mechanisms in there for the testing. The airlines I'm not positive of, but a lot of the, the 100 plus employee companies. And in those, it looks like that the employer can pass that cost on to the employee for the testing, which again, that's that's a couple hundred bucks. But one thing I don't want to get into is the debate over the government. That's the last place I want to be. I'm not a fan of a lot of what they do, but um, I also understand that when they do those things, we've got to, so to speak, follow along and comply and figure out ways to make it beneficial for the membership on both sides of the equation. Well, the one thing that I think we both can agree on, they've backed the deadline up into what, January 4th, January 4th. The deadline was, you know, prior to that, we didn't have all the answers. You know, we were uh, rapidly approaching the deadline and I'm sure it'll be the same way. Probably, you know, as as the days and weeks go by, we'll get, you know, trickle down information. The OSHA document, you said it was a 500 page document. There'll be a lot of questions and I'm sure some answers and some clarity, but we'll go right into January not having all the answers. And that's the tough part. We represent members who are asking very, very good, valid questions. And a lot of times we have to say, we don't know yet. And that's a bad place to be. Yeah. And, and again, we can't, we... <laughs> As an organization, we're not going to make something up just to, to have an answer. The answer sometimes is you don't know, and, and that's an honest answer. 
and we do try to get those answers. And I can, you know, just tell you from the initial onset of, you know, the religious exemptions or ADA medical accommodations, you know, where we started when it first came out was two line sentence. Now you're starting to see what they're looking for in the documents, right, for the exemptions or the accommodations. There's this tendency to believe, well, how long are they good for? Are they permanent? Are they temporary? Can they change? And the answer is, as you go through and read these OSHA documents, some of those answers do come out and they're not the answers that necessarily some people want to see or, or read or hear. But we do get the answers. There's a massive Q&A that is on the OSHA website. They've add, they add to it all the time. I believe there'll be an edition coming out today with, you know, they usually date the editions. Mm -hmm. But as, as, you know, again, if you're, I hate saying this, but I have to. If you're vaccinated, you're kind of you're kind of free and clear on on what you need to do outside of making sure you submit if your employer you know re requests or you have to I guess requires copy your vaccination card right so you provide that to the employer that group kind of gets pushed to the side they're good then there's the everybody else and the religious exemptions the ADA you know medical accommodations and then you got the people that unfortunately aren't doing they don't fit into either one of those categories what happens to them and a lot of those questions are on the OSHA website unfortunately you know I was asked last week well can you have the attorneys validate well can they ask these questions of me for my religious uh, exemption or accommodation and what about the ADA side? Are they violating HIPAA? And the answers are all in that OSHA document. The answer is, yeah, they can ask those questions. I, I don't necessarily like it, but that's what's in the OSHA rules or the EEOC rules, depending on there's two sets there. When you read it, because we're in a pandemic, there's a lot more ambiguity that's allowed. And so answer the questions uh, as best as you can and put in for the accommodation exemption. From what I see in here, most are being approved. I, I haven't heard too many that aren't being approved. My concern is long-term, what does that mean, right? Is it three months, six months? Is it we get through the pandemic, so to speak, and it's whatever a pandemic is, not there's a name for that. But we get past that point, and then those folks, you know, they're free and clear like somebody that's vaccinated. And, and I don't know when that time comes, and I don't know what rules get played into or... You know, I'm just going to be blunt. What if there's a lawsuit now the other way? People start suing. I'm vaccinated and I'm getting put in harm's way. And in this world we live in, unfortunately, and I hate it. But now what what are businesses and government and other entities going to do? And, and what what's that path look like? So we are in a place that I'm just going to say I never expected us to be. I see people that I've known for years polarized on both sides of the equation. I see people fighting with one another that used to be friends. I see families having, you know, marital issues. There's just so much going on around this pandemic and the stresses of it. And, and, and it's not just a vaccination. It's, it's we're in a pandemic and there's so much noise from everybody. And I think it's some days you just got to take a step back and realize we're all in this together. I hate that term, but in fairness, we are all in this together. People do have to make their individual choices. We support that. I get hate mail on that. I mean, we don't agree and it should be this or it should be that. There is no one answer for this for us. As an organization, we're going to support everybody to the best of our abilities, put it, try to keep everybody out of harm's way. That's the goal. Do the best we can. But a lot of it, we don't have control over. And a lot of it, and unfortunately, I'm going to say this, and again, I'm not taking up for a company, but a lot of the companies don't have control right now. And the government's making rules and there's legal action. And can you do this? And, and I think People that are in um, positions, they have to make hard decisions on what they think is best for, you know, other people. And it's created a lot of um, divisiveness and going back to the assaults plays right into that. People are on edge. And unfortunately, I don't have an answer for that. You don't have an answer for it. All we know is try to take a step back and realize that we are all in this together. 
do the best you can for the people around you. If you're not vaccinated, do everything you can to protect yourself and the folks that are vaccinated. And if you are vaccinated, do everything you can to be respectful of those that aren't and do the same thing. I mean, try to protect. There's no guarantee if you're vaccinated, you can't get somebody sick. We know that. We see it all the time. Um, yeah, the numbers go down, you know, but but it still happens. So we're all in it together. Um, we're all in this union together. We're, we're all got to find a way to work our way through. Otherwise, we're going to be worse, all worse off for it. I agree. And, you know, and I'll bring up our president of Local 513, Greg Cozy. His message for at our membership meetings this past month, you know, brought a lot of uh, clarity. And, you know, the message was simple. He said, you know, we've been through a lot. You know, we've been through hell with this pandemic. And he says, if you go and look in the mirror and you see someone that hasn't been affected by this pandemic in some way, shape, form or fashion, you're looking in the wrong mirror yep. because we've all been affected in some way. And, you know, and he, he went on to allude to the fact that we do have differences of opinion and it is OK, but we need to work through those and attacking each other. Because whether if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated and you're highly opinionated on that, you're not going to convince someone else to do something different by yelling at them and calling them names and certainly getting physical. So at the end of the day, we have to stick together. We have to. It's the only way we'll get through this. And so, you know, it's just a point in time to where we need more, uh, you know, conversations are good, but we need to be civil when we have those. I can agree with that. And like I said, I, I've been on the bad side of COVID sick and questioned whether I was going to make it through. I don't make any bones about it. I was vaccinated and, and the things I've done, I don't, but I don't force that upon anybody. I think everybody has that choice. John, you know, John Samuelson has taken that position from day one is everybody should have that choice. The question is with those choices, how do we work together and make sure that our folks that aren't vaccinated can continue to work and earn for their families, the folks that are vaccinated continue to work and earn for their families. And again, that's what this is all about at the end of the day is being civil to one another and figuring out solutions, not creating another problem. And again, the divisiveness and some of the things that get said and and heard in people's careers end, that's just not where we need to be. People, unfortunately, people have taken their lives over this situation. I mean, that's just a fact. And we need to do a better job. Our EAP folks, I'm just going to say this out, our EAP and, and, you know, our flight attendant, the SISM groups and things like that, they're out there for you. If you're, you're starting to question some of this stuff and you need help, reach out to somebody, please just reach out and, and, and talk about how you feel and where you think you need to be. If you're not feeling right or you're thinking about doing something that could cause harm to you or someone else, please just reach out to somebody. Great advice. If we stick together, we can get through this. Uh, before we go, uh, you know, we've talked about some pretty hot topic items, you know, with the vaccinations and the assault on flight attendants. We got an update in the air division. Anything else before we go? Yeah, I guess um, we, we had the convention, obviously, uh, the, the leadership team and the international, so to speak, is was unopposed. I, I guess we didn't do the podcast last month based around that. We were just tied up with a lot of both yourself and I with a lot of the contract stuff as well as the convention. We're past that now and, and getting ready to go into Thanksgiving, Christmas, the holidays. And, and again, we probably won't do a podcast between now and Thanksgiving. So I just want to make sure that we reach out to everybody for Thanksgiving. And again, with these trying to times, take a step back, take a deep breath and, you know, think about what matters, your family, your friends, if it's your dog, your cat, whatever, think, take a step back and realize the goodness that we do have in our lives and, and those blessings that we have. 
And then we're going to get into the Christmas season. And there's going to be a lot of tension over that, right? And right on the heels of that holiday is going to be this quote unquote January 4th timeframe. There's just a lot between now and the end of the year. We're going to, I'm going to do everything I can to get another podcast in before the end of the year with you, bro. Really take a step back and take care of your mental health. I mean, it's, it, this is a time where like no other, I'm just going to emphasize that to everybody. We as a union are here to provide contract help. We're here to provide, you know, anything when it comes to work type stuff. But more importantly, we're all a family and a big unit as a family. And if somebody's seeing something with somebody, please reach out, try to get the help. You know, if we can get some help to them or if they reach out to us, we'll get you the help. But there's so much stress going on right now that that hopefully going into 22, some of that stress will, you know, 2022, that stress will start to fall off. I don't know that's the case pray that's the case. Go into 2022 healthy. On our side, you know, we're going to look at how 2022 lines up in the next few weeks and start to, to do the things that we need to do. But this is one, I believe the podcasts are one thing that keeps us interconnected. That's why I want to try to continue doing these monthly if we can. And, and that's always the goal. So appreciate everything you guys do. Tommy, you editing everything and taking care of us. And Ryan, you sitting now with me just to take the time to make sure that I get this out to the membership as often as I can. Yeah, I appreciate it, Karen. We appreciate everything you and the organization does just one point of clarity before we go today is november the 5th we're recording this it's a friday and it's about noon this podcast uh, you know you mentioned tommy doing the editing there's believe it or not it's it's more than us just sitting down talking so there is a little bit of a lag time to get the uh, podcast edited you know get it vetted and everything like that and put out so you know in all fairness we've spoke about things that happened in the past 24 hours or whatever you know it might be you know, Monday before this podcast gets out. So just a point of clarity for everything. We we know when the mandate came out. We know when, when OSHA put something out. But, uh, you know, just so everybody understands. And uh, other than that, I appreciate you, Gary. As always, uh, keep up the good work. And uh, I want to thank all the members. You know, I mean, if we didn't have members, we wouldn't be sitting here. You know, we're it's our job to represent these members, and we try to do that. Our members hold us accountable, and it's our job to hold, you know, the organizations accountable. So I hope everybody has a happy holiday season. We won't talk again before Thanksgiving. So have a happy Thanksgiving, safe, uh, you know, be with your family and enjoy that. And everybody have a great day. Thank you. For more information about the TWU Air Division, visit our website at TWU.org forward slash divisions. To comment on this or any of our podcasts, email us at airdivisionpodcast at TWU.org. You can listen, download, and stream episodes of the Air Division Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, your favorite Android podcatcher, or your RSS feed-enabled browser. Air Division Podcast episodes are also available to stream and download from our website, podcast.twu.org. Music provided under license by Pond5.com. TWU Air Division Podcast is produced and engineered by Tommy Ingle.